Welcome to Spencer Talks About Stuff. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple and Spotify. Those reviews are only helping me. If you have not yet left a review on Apple Podcasts, all you have to do is scroll to the bottom of my page and tap on the five stars. It is literally as easy as that. For the amendment section on the podcast with my mother, we could not think of the opening act for Tom Petty when he performed in Boise in 2014, and it was Steve Winwood. The movie with Peter Sellers where he is riding on the bomb is Dr. Strangelove, and the director's name who I could not remember was Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick also directed The Shining, Eyes Wide Shut, A Clockwork Orange, and a ton of other movies. He's actually considered one of the greatest directors of all time, and I am super embarrassed I could not remember his name. I've decided that I'm going to start a new section at the beginning of each episode. I'm going to keep it short, but the new segment is going to be three of my favorite Boise businesses or locations. It can be anything from my favorite park to my favorite brewery or my favorite home improvement store. So today for Spencer's favorites, I'm going to talk about my favorite burger joint, my favorite home improvement store, and my favorite gym. My favorite burger joint of all time is Burger Belly on Broadway near Boise State. Burger Belly is locally owned and operated by some of the nicest people I've ever met. They work their asses off to provide an awesome product, and they've been open since 2011. In my opinion, they have one of the best burgers in town. There are a range of options to get there, but I stick with a classic double bacon cheeseburger. My favorite home improvement store is D&B Supply. My wife and I buy all of our chicken food, dog food, hardware, ammo, and gardening supplies at D&B. I've even purchased a chainsaw there. And my wife and I purchased our silicone wedding rings from DMB. My favorite gym in Boise may be a bit biased, but it is my gym that I own and operate, CrossFit Composure. CrossFit Composure provides a fun, safe, and challenging environment for people of all skill levels, and our top priority is your health and wellness. If you live in the Nampa area, I would like to plug Snake River CrossFit. Snake River has been around for over 10 years, and I personally know the owners, Frank and Michaela. Frank is a Nampa City firefighter and one of the funniest people I have ever met. And on, and on a side note, I hope to get him on the podcast soon. Their facility and community is unmatched in my opinion. Once again, please leave a review for Spencer Talks About Stuff. It is now live on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five-star review and subscribe. Without further ado, here is episode 11. All right, welcome to episode 11 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Today on the podcast, I have Mark Paul. Mark is the head athletic trainer at Boise State. He's a good friend of mine, and I I figured I could have him on and talk about some uh, <laughs> Boise State current events and what's going on. So how are you doing, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. good. Been a couple things in the hopper recently, yeah. a few things going on, but... <laughs> Uh, actually, it's been good. Uh, good. Been really good. Yeah, COVID's keeping you busy. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, just a touch. But glad to be here, man. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, of course. Um, so I I wanted to have you on because I don't think people really understand how much time you spend with the athletic trainers. You mm-hmm. know, as a as a collegiate athlete, people think you just spend time on the football field, but I think the majority of your time is spent watching film. And in the weight room. And, you know, football just kind of happens throughout the fall. But then also you're in the athletic training room like all the time, especially if you have nagging injuries, if you're somebody who has to get taped up every day. And so you build a great relationship with the athletic trainers. So, yeah, we we hope you do anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's evolved so much over the years from when I started to, 
you know, I'll just go down there and, and get something real quick when you have an injury or you're getting something looked at, you get a Band-Aid and you're out. Like, to now, that's <clears throat> one of the center points of recovery is the big thing, right? What does that mean? Is it foam rolling? Is it um, stretching? Is it, I don't know, there's a hundred different things people do. The Theraguns, you see all those around. Yeah. And we stock all that stuff. So it's no longer just when you mess up your shoulder, you come in there. It's, hey, I'm just sore. I'm just tired. You know, and there's there's dry needling we do now. There's all the scraping. We have an acupuncturist on staff. It's yeah. like a stretch specialist that comes in. It, it's it's managing stuff, so much different stuff now. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And I think some of that stuff was starting to be introduced <clears throat> when I first started at BSU. Like we, mm-hmm. we did have some of the scraping. Um, I mean, obviously, we moved into the nice new facility where there were hot tubs, cold tubs. Yeah. Um, we did have a chiropractor that would come in every mm-hmm. once in a while. Um, but from where it was then to what it is now, I mean, I think it, I wouldn't even recognize it. No, it's, it's completely changed from when I was back in college and, and got into it, which that, that story in and of itself is a yeah. weird one, uh, up to where it is now. It doesn't even kind of look the same. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned the tubs though. Uh, funny back, back when you were there, um, before we built the new building, if you remember during two-day camp, we had to go out and we just sat in the river. Yeah, oh yeah. It was awesome. We're doing that again. Like oh, the tubs yeah. are shut down. Everything's on lockdown. We can't get in there with all this COVID stuff. Yeah. And I was talking to Coach Harson the other day. I said, hey, Harsh, we're going to go back old school. He goes, what do you mean? I said, we're going to be blue collar here. Yeah. Um, the tubs are shut down. So we're going to go out and sit in the river. And he started laughing. He's like, dude, I love it. Yeah. And yeah. I was told some of the younger players, some of my staff that wasn't around back then about what we're going to do. And they looked at me like I had three heads. Like, we're going to do what? <laughs> I said, look, we had a couple first-round draft picks and a Heisman Trophy finalist sitting in the river, yeah, too. Yeah. It's good enough for those guys. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, here. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay, so before I forget, a shtick of this podcast is I have the guest bring on one of their favorite alcoholic beverages, <laughs> and then we share them um, and then chat about it on the podcast. So what did you bring? Okay, uh, currently I'm all into the uh, uh, Kona Brewing Company stuff, so I got a longboard, six-pack right. of longboards here today for us. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. So you were one of, um, let's see, I invited Coach Huff and Coach Strasser to my wedding, mm-hmm. and I think both of them were a little too busy to show up to my wedding. <laughs> yeah. uh, coach Saha, uh, yep. the strength and conditioning coach who I had throughout college, mm-hmm. he was a little too busy too. But you and um, Spooner both showed up to yeah. my wedding, which yeah. I, I, that means so much to me that you guys took well, the time out to come. Well, thanks for the invite, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Spooner, Jim Spooner is no longer at BSU. He is working for a private company. Yeah, a private company here in town. He's doing, uh, sounds like some consulting works as well on the side. Like he's got a couple of things in the hopper, which is the most Spooner thing ever, right? Yeah. He's always got something going oh, yeah. on. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, I'm going to take a sip of the beer and then, so why, what got you into this? Um, we were out and about somewhere a couple summers ago and some, someplace this was on draft. And, um, by the end of the night, I couldn't really remember what it tasted like. So I, but I knew I liked it. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of circled back and got into it again. Cause and, you, you kept ordering them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn my timer on real quick. I just forgot to do that. Um, so if you want to talk a little bit about the COVID stuff, um, sure. I mean, I know we probably don't want to get into specifics about things, but what has it changed day to day at BSU? Oh man, it, it's the same thing that has changed around the country. Um, you know, I talked about the, the tubs a little bit ago, but like our process today, or as we circle, or as we go through this thing, you know, everybody that comes into the building, coaches, staff, whatever, it doesn't matter. 
we have a, a screening tool on, our, on their phones. It's online. And yeah. they have to answer a few questions. Then they come in. They get their temperature taken. Like, they go through all these clearance steps to get in here. Yeah. The, the groups are smaller. The Up to now, the... Like even the locker room, the players' lounge, all these things are off limits. They're not even used right now. Yeah. And so it's really being deliberate and reacclimating and getting back into that. And it's it slows things down for sure and makes it go longer and hopefully you can identify some things. But you know, that's just the world we live in now. Yeah. I mean, Spence, honest with you, Spence, I don't know what it's going to look like when we get back to it. It's what the new normal is going to be. Nobody knows. Yeah. It's it's crazy to me that something like this can completely change the fabric of like how college sports have operated for the past hundred years. Sure. I mean this, yeah. if it truly does change it that much, mm-hmm. um, I just, I, it's mind blowing to me that, that it's yeah. going to cause something <laughs> like that. I don't know. It and, took a global pandemic, but it actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, when I found out that there was not going to be a spring ball, that blew my mind because I could not imagine as a player going mm-hmm. through college prepping for the fall you know spring ball is an integral part to you know install some stuff it's good bonding you build sure. a relationship with your coaches and it's hard hard work i know they're long practices but i mean the kids didn't even have to show up to those practices that's crazy to me yeah so um and did they did they have any take-home workouts from the strength staff or yeah every student athlete we had here Again, even same thing around the country. They had um, virtual workout plans. They had uh, the stuff was tailored to, you know, whether you have access to a full gym at home or you got to go in the park and do something. Yeah. We had options for all of that. And then checking in on a regular basis. How's it going <clears throat> for my staff? Uh, they divided that. We had people that had surgery, right, and couldn't come back and do a lot of that stuff, which happens in the spring. Yeah. You know, follow up from the season, do surgeries into the summer. And so we did a lot of uh, telemedicine stuff and virtual and FaceTime and all this stuff with them. Even our doctor's appointments with our team physicians at ISMI, those were done virtually. Wow. Um, so it, it was just a completely different way of operating that a year ago, and what are you talking about? Yeah. Virtual tele, like, so, yeah. so, so the guys, I mean, I know that there's a couple different ways that the athletic trainers um, have people do exercises for certain injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, a lot of it, the people can handle on their own, but the stuff where the, the trainers have to be involved, mm-hmm. you know, manual manipulation stuff, sure. were they still able to do that? Uh, for those ones, we, we worked with them and figured out where in their hometowns they could go. Yeah. Uh, they had a private clinic or someplace they'd done before, um, any of that stuff. And then we worked with them and with our insurance coordinator on campus. So it was a lot of moving parts yeah. and trying to get them all going in the same direction. And then we just checked in on a regular basis and monitored Till everybody came back. Yeah. So, so the majority of kids went home then. Oh yeah. 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 There was a few that stuck around, yeah. um, but the majority of kids in all sports went home. Yeah. So. Crazy. And I know that there was some big news today, um, and I don't really want to get into that, but sure. the Twitter sphere kind of <laughs> lit on fire in Boise because <laughs> yeah, it, did. Um, it was announced that a couple sports are going away from BSU. So yeah, it's a that's the this is the third time this has happened in my career. Once at my previous school, and then twice here. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you this, they, they got harder and harder each time because of what you talked about. You, you put in all this work, you develop these amazing relationships with people and with the kids and the coaches, you're on the road with them, you know, and, and from a baseball standpoint, like, um, I know the head coach, I know Gary really well. 
Uh, one of his assistants was my son's high school coach. Yeah. Right. And and for two years we're working on this thing, and I got to go with them to their opening series at Texas. Like, there's all of these things that go into it, and the swimming side too. These kids are training year round. Uh, some of them are getting ready for Olympic trials and all that stuff. Like, it's a lot of work, and then covid casualties man you just yeah. can't support it and go forward yeah um so so just to spell it out for everyone who's listening um boise state got rid of swim and dive and baseball mm-hmm. and it's all due to covid and i th- i think i read online that it's because of budgeting yeah so yeah the the finances of college athletics are just insane you mm-hmm. know and and they're different everywhere you go um the the, the sec schools or the big sky schools you know it's such a disparity everybody's trying to do some version of the same thing yeah but the means and resources in order to pull that off are just completely all over the place yeah yeah crazy um well and and this kind of puts a a wrench into something that i've been i've been very vocal about and i know i've talked to you a hundred times about and i've got in the ear of a couple people at boise state about this and it's never really gotten any legs um but i do think that a lot of football players struggle um, kind of reintegrating back into normal life once sure. they're done playing football. Um, and there's a whole a whole category of guys who are kind of in the middle. Like there's the guys that are going to be fine. There's the guys that are going on to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then there's these guys in the middle who have a degree and they don't really know what mm-hmm. to do next. Um, yep. and, it, and it's not necessarily something that I wanted to do as a – professional development thing Mm -hmm. it was more um more kind of provide um somewhere for those guys to go get not counseling but kind of advice from somebody who went through what they went through yeah um a lot of people deal with depression there are some guys that even deal with substance abuse stuff when Mm -hmm. they get done playing football um and a lot of guys just you know you go through this high level thing for so long where your, your anxiety is high. You're always competing. Mm-hmm. Um, you always have this goal that you're working towards and you're always around a bunch of other dudes and there's high testosterone and um, you have this fierce leader in front of you all the time and all these resources to do certain things. And when all that's taken away, uh, it can get lonely and it, um, you know, you kind of get confused about where to go, what to do. And, you know, you're on the top of the world with this elite program and going from that to an entry level job somewhere yeah. is, is kind yeah. of jarring. Yeah. Getting into the civilian life's a big shock. Yeah. Big change. Yeah. So, um, I think prepping guys for that would be awesome. And I think providing, um, you know, just a resource for guys somewhere to go to, um, God, I wrote out like a whole curriculum and I went and talked mm-hmm. to, I, I don't want to get into specifics about who I pitched it to. But man, I thought I had a, a great thing going for a while and it just lost its legs. And then now with COVID, it's, I don't think it's ever going to happen. <laughs> it's your, what you talked about, we've had several conversations about this and hundred percent on board with it. Getting it in. I think we do a really good job of bringing people in and bringing, ramping them up and do all that. And then you're right. We're, you know, your life tachometer is redlining for four or five straight years. Right? Yeah. And all of a sudden you run out of gas. Done. Yeah. I'm like, wait, you look around all of a sudden, what, what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah. And so it's getting out of that lifestyle that's that's become so hard. And what's the right process? How do you help people transition? How do you help them get ready to go? Especially at that age, you're like, 
I don't know what I want to do. Like, yeah. this is all I've known um, from the time I was 10 years old until now, like yep. their entire life. I, I was, my daughter plays soccer for us, and I'm extremely fortunate to, be, to work in college athletics and then be able to watch your kid play and all that stuff. Yeah. But I was talking with our AD the other day about it, or excuse me, um, right before Candy started, and I said the greatest day of my life was when she finally came off of my dime, and now she's on to yours, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, the youth soccer deal, just like the baseball deal and the football camps and all that, like the league she played in was Seattle, Portland, Phoenix, L.A., the Bay Area, Denver. Like, I'm like, you travel more now as a 16-year-old high school kid yeah. than our college athletes do. Yeah. And so that part of the transition is easy for her, right? She's already been living on the road and staying in hotels and all that jars. But then I look back and I'm like, she's been doing this for so long. She doesn't know anything else. Yeah. And that's concerning to me as a parent too. Yep. And so, you know, I've been talking with her a lot about that. And what do you really want to do and all this stuff and be thinking about it? My son was the same way. He went and pitched up at a JC in Washington. So he's been baseball, baseball, baseball. And then my wife and I all of a sudden looked at each other one day when Kennedy got to to school and I go, Oh, hi, my name is Mark. What, what's your, like, what do you, what, what do we like to do again? Like yeah. this weekend's, we're not going to be at some windblown soccer pitch somewhere yeah, or yeah, yeah. sitting in the stands, eating another hot dog at a baseball field. And yeah. It's a shock and a change for everybody. And it, when they don't have the background or the, the, the knowledge of what else is out there, boy, that's hard, man. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. I think having that looming goal over yourself, the whole time you're in high school and college mm-hmm. of I need to be a better football player. And yeah. literally every decision you make, I'm not going to say every decision because, you know, college kids make a lot of stupid decisions. <laughs> um, but every decision you make is how am I going to be a better football player? Whether yeah. it's doing that recovery stuff, you're going yeah. to the weight room, you're doing film stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're building relationships with, you know, your position group or whatever it is. And once you don't have that overall looming goal of I need to be a better football player, it shifts into something else and you don't really have that direction when you're done. Mm-hmm. It's, is it all about my career? Is it all about my family? Is it all about just me trying to be a good person? So I think yeah. um, having that structure is good when you're in college, but I think it's critical for dudes to have that structure once they're done playing. And I don't think it's just a BSU thing. I think it's all about oh, yeah. yeah. Um I talked to Cody Hawkins, who's mm-hmm. uh, Coach Hawk's kid, Yeah, former Boise State coach. He coached at Colorado, and now he's actually coaching at UC Davis. Mm-hmm. And Cody let me know that at Davis, they're trying to put a program together like that. Yeah. And Cody called me, and you know we chatted about it for a while, and I think they're starting to implement it down there. Um, and then I actually talked to Coach Pete, uh, Chris Peterson, on the phone the other day. And we talked on the phone for about 30 minutes, and I, I just wanted to – you know, formally, formally thank him for everything that he did for me because he was my coach for six years and he did not coach my bowl game when I got done. Right. And he kind of left in a hurry. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was like, get to Washington and kind of get things established there. So I never really had a dialogue with him after he left. And it was, it was so good to talk to him on the phone. Um, but a lot of what we talked about was that transition period afterwards Sure, because, you know, coach, Pete spends so much time with his players trying to develop them as people. And are you going to be a good husband? Are you going to be a Mm -hmm. good father? And then you're done playing and you don't have that dialogue anymore. And you know, some guys do get married and have kids while they're playing football, but a lot of the guys 
haven't met the person they're going to marry until sure. you know after they're yeah. done playing. So um, it's it would be awesome to continue that conversation on after guys are done graduating. So I, I think it's one of the most important things that's out there. <clears throat> You know, you only got so many hours in the day. You got bandwidth to be able to absorb things. And there's so much that are thrown at these kids now. It's, it's amazing. But there's a place for that. I, I truly believe that. I agree with you. And some programs do a really good job with that. Some of them um, are kind of on the fence a little bit. But the way we do it here, you know, obviously I came when Pete was here still. And now with Harsh doing it, um, that's a big emphasis for stuff. How much you can put in that window. Because, you know, you do, you do have to practice your sports still you yeah. do have to prepare and do job interviews late in this in your career and all this other stuff that's going on yeah but yeah we can't overlook that and what yeah. the right answer is the right formula the right weight of it i don't know everybody's kind of trying to do that as well and you see the importance of it for yeah sure. and i i think um i think it, somebody who isn't part of the program and they're just an outsider looking in they probably don't realize that a lot of those resources, it's great lip service to talk about that stuff. Mm -hmm. But when those seniors graduate, there's a whole other group of freshmen coming in that they're trying to groom for that program and get them ready for the program. And that's where a lot of the resources go. Um, yeah. And I don't know if the answer would be some sort of third party thing. I mean, I've done a lot of thought experiments about it. Um, but it's it's also not something... I mean, if I, if I were to pursue that more... <clears throat> I don't think it's something that I'd necessarily want to try to make a lot of money from, you know, cause I, yeah. kids graduate, graduating from college don't have a lot of cash, you <laughs> no, know, they, they, they're looking all. for jobs and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what the answer would be. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's something that not a lot of people talk about that it needs to be talked about more. Yeah. So well, you know, you discuss it kind of inside the program and what you go and how you do and all that. And then, and, and it's changed too. That's the other hard part of it. You have all these conversations. This looks great. And then three years from now, you know, by the time a kid, a class comes in as freshman, by the time they leave, all the expectations of society have, may have changed on them. Yeah. And then where do you go now? Like, how do you just, so it's, it is this constant improvement, constant education. And I didn't even understand it myself when I first got into that. Yeah. This is, see, I started in 94, 95, something like that. So however many years that is up to now. And it's so different across the board. Like this is something that wasn't even discussed, what, 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago? Um, I mean, it was, but not near what it is now. And yeah. so it's it's constantly evolves over time. And I think we better keep it going. Yeah. I think... Um I think part of that is how crazy busy it has gotten in like a university, like a division one university football program. Everything you do is centered around football and your whole schedule is written out for you. Um, whereas when you first started, I think it guys might've had a little bit more free time. <laughs> a little, we never saw them all summer. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's part of it too. <clears throat> if you're around that, high level environment all the time it's hard to turn it off once you leave it um, no totally and i still have a hard time turning it off like i i if i'm not busy doing something now i feel like i'm wasting my time which is the right? absolutely most ridiculous thing exactly <laughs> you should be able to sit down and chill out <laughs> yeah. um, now i drive my poor wife crazy we've been working both of us from home for the past three months or whatever it is yeah and even before that like 
she's really good at, at nighttime winding down, chilling, catching something on TV, reading, whatever. I'm, I'm going. Like, I, I have the same thing, and it drives her crazy. Yeah. Like, Just go outside. Like, yeah, go yeah. in the garage. <laughs> I don't care. Go somewhere. You're, yeah. driving, you're making me nervous, man. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been, it's, uh, and again, when you get into this world and you're running on the red line, like I mentioned, all the time. Since I started this, my cell phone's never off. It was off a week when we went to Mexico, like two years ago. Yeah. And because I've gotten more calls at 2 a.m. from somebody getting hurt. Or, hey, you wake up 6 o'clock uh, or 5.30, somebody's thought of something, and they got a call. Hey, we need to do this. What do you think about that? Yeah. It, it is a 24-hour life cycle or lifestyle. And shutting that down after a period of years, like – that's a huge adjustment. And, and I'm the first to admit, I, I don't exactly know how to do that yet. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same. And, and I, I like to caveat this because I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I don't like to compare what we do or what I did at Boise State with like what guys do in the military. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very similar. Guys get used to a very structured lifestyle. Yes. And then they get done with the military and they... A lot of them get depressed. There's a lot of suicide. Um, there's a lot of PTSD. And my dad worked for the Los Angeles City Fire Department for 35 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. 35 years at that high level where, I mean, you're at you're it, part of the busiest fire department um, in the nation, probably in the world. And then you retire and you're not going to crazy fires all the time. You're not going to crazy medical calls all the time. You're, sure. you're not around your brothers. And it, mm-hmm. that is an adjustment too. So, you know, you mentioned the military, uh, one of your old teammates, Archie Lewis called and he gave a talk to the team the other day. You know, he's into the kind of the social work counseling side of stuff. And he's doing a ton of work with the military. Yeah. And he was the, I guess, speaker, featured speaker at the, like the team, uh, life development uh, oh, thing cool. that we got going with football right now and he was awesome yeah he's given some great tips and point and the best part about guys like you and archie and ex-athletes is you know how to talk to to athletes it's a totally different population right yeah and, and that's a skill no matter what field you're in or what group you're talking to if you can relate to them it's huge and the one thing about especially football and some of this stuff you just lay shit out yeah right you, you be very blunt you be very honest and it's not that you don't care about people's feelings, but you, the straightforward, man, this is what it's like. This is what it's about. And you can have those open conversations and, you know, the emotions in football anyway are so high yeah. all the time Yeah, um, that you're kind of used to that. You're used to just having, a, you don't have time to, you know, beat around the bush and that's where you're at. No. Hey, listen, dumbass, this is what it is. And <laughs> it's, it's a great world to work in. I, I, I started thinking about stuff about certain stories with you. Um, <laughs> before you came over today and uh i i think one of the reasons that i bonded with you a little bit like i if you asked me as a freshman in college if i'd ever talk to mark paul after my career i'd probably say hell no oh hell no but (laughs) but you i i think i started to gain a certain amount of respect for you because you were blunt with people and if you saw somebody doing something stupid you would call them out for it and you called me out for doing stupid (laughs) shit all the time and uh i mean it's yeah, I, I respected the fact that you didn't beat around the bush and you would say, hey, dumbass, quit doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like to, I just like to think about, um, uh, I know Dan, Paul, and I were both mm. kind of shitheads and we were both kind of in the meathead category, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and 
like Dan and I would come in on the weekends or like on our day off and we'd always do a bunch of extra lifting (laughs) and you know, whether it's, it's doing all the extra lifting, um, coming into the training room and like abusing (laughs) the, the (laughs) access we had to people for giving us like massages or whatever, or, you know, I think one, one time I took a thousand milligrams of caffeine before a workout. (laughs) Yes, you did. And, and you're like, you are a fucking idiot. (laughs) So I, I, I just respected the fact that you would call us out for, for being uh, dumbasses. Well, thank you. I mean, there's a lot of people I think, no, still to this day, probably don't want to talk to me. Yeah. But hey, we don't have time to, to beat around the bush, like I said, and go. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Dan because uh, I, I went over to Portland for Dan's and that was, I did XC Pete and, and, yeah. and saw there and a bunch of the guys, like your old squad, man, was, yeah. it was unbelievable. He was, a, he's a special dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, and, Dan Paul passed away. Um, I think right around a year ago. Mm. I mean, I think it's coming up on a year. Yeah. Um, Cause I was on my honeymoon when I found out and I, I told my wife, Debbie, like we got to go out, we got to get a beer. I think we were in DC when it happened. And I started just telling her all the stories about mm. Dan. And I know that there's a lot of stories that you probably can't tell. And I, I heard from like <laughs> Corey Wyarty and Zach Waller and the guys yeah. that, that went over there. Um, they said that people would tell stories and then they're like, there's a lot of stories that we can't tell about Dan too. <laughs> yeah. um, there's always those. But I, I respected the heck out of Dan because I, I think no matter what group he was around, there were a lot of clicky groups mm-hmm. when I was at BSU, um, but he could relate to any of them. I mean, Anybody. He, he was friends with yeah. anyone and everyone. And then Joey come in, his younger brother after him, and poor Joey, he just got abused by everybody because of everything Dan did, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you a Dan Paul story. So we're getting ready to go somewhere, and I, I forget where we were going. This may have been like the one of the last times we actually played Idaho. Yeah. And we're going through the airport here, getting onto our plane, and I'm standing next to Doug Martin, and I'm like, Dude, did you just take a bath in an oyster tank? Like you smell <laughs> so bad because all you knuckleheads went and got the DMSO and was yeah, rubbing yeah, it all over yeah. you, right? And he just started laughing, right? I'm like, oh, so I, I stepped away, let him go ahead of me. I kind of Dan walks next to me. He smelled worse. Mm-hmm. I was like, what in the hell are you two doing? Like you just having a contest? You did you eat the stuff for breakfast? Yeah. My God. Well, the D, the DMSO stuff was what it was just something that would allow things to absorb into your skin quicker yeah, it's a driver it, for stuff yeah and it's like an anti-inflammatory basically that that, that that's my career in a nutshell hey i saw this buddy told me about it so i took about it and he yeah. said take four so i took eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah <laughs> just no that's not how it works yeah you shouldn't take uh two thousand milligrams of ibuprofen no yeah, no that, okay so i need you to monitor your urine we gotta see if it's gonna kill your kidneys <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, and when I was at BSU too, that's when the spice stuff got very oh, popular. Yeah, um, yeah, and I remember um, <laughs> guys would guys would use synthetic synthetic marijuana because it wouldn't show up on any of the drug tests, and then sure. they eventually developed a drug test for it, and they started testing guys for it. Yeah, and so it was like a competition between. I don't even know who was manufacturing this crap, but it would show up at like big smoke and cigar shops around oh, yeah. town. Yeah. And so they'd come out with a new batch of it and then they'd come out with a drug test for it. And then they'd come out with a new batch. That's of it, exactly it. Yeah. Drug test. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous to watch that stuff play out over the years. We've always had drug testing and stuff like that. In my previous goal, there was a spice that just, just really hit the market. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this kid come in one day and he had this backpack and this, 
stu- like in a bag and st- it fell out of his bag in the training room. Yeah. <clears throat> and I go, what do you, what, what, what is this? So I pick it up and he, he got all worried. I go, look, chill out. What is it? Yeah. Uh, spice. It's the stuff. I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, are you, are you sure about that? Yeah. And he goes, well, yeah, that's what the guy said when I bought it. I'm like, oh. So I open the bag, I smell it, and I'm like, what the hell? And I tasted it, and it, like, everybody, he started panicking. Like, what? We, I go, why don't you just go put this on your spaghetti because it's oregano. Oh, my God. It's so totally <laughs> duped. And yeah. buying something that wasn't right. And Jesus. Then, so we had to have a team education session, and not to tell him what the real stuff was, but, hey, this is what this stuff is. And, and back, you know, the first of anything is, who knows what it's going to turn out like. And it was, it was bad. That stuff was... Um, really did some numbers to a lot of our, our players and athletes over the years, and especially early on. I think it. I think it actually caused some cognitive issues in some of the guys I was around. <laughs> yeah. um, like, like actually damaged their brains. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, guys would abuse the crap out of that stuff. And I, it's so funny because I actually had this conversation with Joe Kellogg the other day because mm-hmm. we had a layover in Salt Lake and he came and picked me and my wife up from the airport and we went and had breakfast with him. Oh, cool. And uh, I was so paranoid all the time about like being at my peak performance mm-hmm. that the thought of drinking alcohol the night before a practice like didn't even cross my mind. It was sure. like I have to have a day off the next day or it's going to be you know, one of the practices, how we used to have a practice the day after the game. Sure. Yeah. Um, or like a, a hard conditioning session. Like I, I maybe drink after the game and then yeah. deal with it the next day for those. But yeah. you know, when you're trying to, to earn your spot, um, on the team, especially as a guy like me where it, you know, I wasn't the most gifted person and I felt like I had to work for every mm-hmm. single, every single thing that I got. Um, but then there, there was the other group of guys that would party every night before practice. No. Like I, and, and Joe and I were both on the same page. Like there's no way that I could have done that. And yeah. he could have done that. Um, but yeah, there's some guys that would show up to practice the next day smelling like booze. And I think they came right from the bar. <laughs> to oh my the God. Facility. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard some crazy stories. I, when did you get to BSU? 2008, June of 2008. Okay. So Dinwiddie was before that, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I heard some, I mean, his era and I think even him himself got in some trouble with uh, alcohol issues. And <laughs> I don't think there was anything like that, even remotely like that happened when I was at BSU. But yeah. some of the stories from back in the day, I just... Oh my gosh. Yeah. When I first came here, I got offered the job. I remember going on my interview, you know, the whole thing. And, and I get up here and, <clears throat> and uh, the first guy I ever met, after I accepted the job, was Mike T. Williams. Oh, yeah. And I lived at Reno. I worked at the University of Nevada, right? And Is he, is he from Reno? No. Uh-oh. He had foot issues, and they sent him to a physician in Reno <laughs> for this deal. So I get a call one day and uh, from Coach Pete, and he goes, yeah. hey, we're sending a guy down there with one of your tra- one of the trainers. Is there any chance you can meet with this doctor? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, sure. Walk mm-hmm. in. And here's Mike T., um, big goofy Mike T and this poor uh, student athletic trainer that came down with him. Yeah. And I'm sitting in, in, in our physician's office. This is the same guy we use for a lot of stuff down there. And a half hour in this conversation, I'm like, man, is everybody like this dude? Because this is going to be a wild <laughs> ride, man. He was awesome. Yeah. And then and then we came up. This is probably a month or so later. I moved to, to Boise. The first player that walked in the athletic training was Joe Bozikovic. Oh, no way. And so that was my first on-campus experience. Yeah, Joe Boz. Joe Boz, was, he's something else, man. Yeah. And then uh, Ian Johnson was the third one. Yeah. And then uh, Titus Young. Like, all these people with character out the yin-yang. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I called my wife. And I'm like, 
Babe, I don't know what the hell we walked into, <laughs> but this is going to be a wild one, and yeah. it's been awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you were at the University of Reno before you University came of Nevada in or, Reno, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, and you were born, oh my God, I forgot about this, Fallon? Fallon, Nevada, baby, Fallon, home of the Green Wave, you nice. bet. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, so I, I'm curious, do you have any stories about me? Anything that you remember specifically? Well, let's see. Your wife's gone, so we can get... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. So we had people tell stories at my wedding, and I I was trying to think the other day of what story you told at the wedding, um, because we designated a person from each table to go up and tell a story about the couple um, before they got released to go... Oh, man. I can't remember which one I told. I think it had something to do with Dan, Yeah, for sure. Um, For you... It was, okay, local kid, busts his tail, gets up here, does these great things. And if it was, hey, Spencer, you can't do that, it, it was instantly an argument. Yeah. So I, I knew, all right, well, hey, your shoes look good. Well, what the hell's wrong with them then? I'm like, dude, <laughs> all right, listen. I, <laughs> I know you have to have a mindset to play football, but it, it's okay to dial it down a yeah. little bit. And, you know, you can fluctuate that a little bit. Yeah, just take it as a challenge no matter <laughs> Yeah, no, no matter, matter what, what it was. Yeah. Hey, your hair's different. What? Okay, fine. I'm going to leave uh, it here. I ain't I'm, coming back the other way. <laughs> fine, Spence. Whatever, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I look back at some of the stuff I did in college, and I, I, I don't know why I got into that mindset, but I think it was something about you know a heightened sense of anxiety all the time because I thought I needed to be at my best no sure, matter what. And, absolutely. You know, take criticism and stuff. But I, do you remember the issues I had with my heels? <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I was telling Debbie about this the other day, but you guys cut out my heels on like brand new Nike cleats mm-hmm. and like custom made these foam inserts. Yeah. It was my sophomore year when we went down to Colorado state to play them. And it was, I think it was the second game I ever started. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that you guys like went through this, I just feel bad for like the, the young <laughs> trainer gals that, that you threw shit at. Did I throw shit? Are at? you kidding me? <laughs> We went through 18 different versions of stuff for your feet, and when it wouldn't work, you wouldn't come in and go, hey, this isn't really working. But you'd throw it at the first person you saw in the athletic training room. This shit sucks. I don't think I ever actually threw stuff You're at you. full of shit. You threw more than enough things at me. Um, Problem is, I'd throw it back at you. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, uh, But then you, I, I remember you figured out something that worked, and I... I could probably tape it on myself still because it literally, like I had to have it taped on my feet every single day. Um, But yeah, I I was so paranoid about my feet not getting messed up during practice that you were the only person that I trusted to (laughs) to tape my ankles because if somebody else did it, then it would cause like a hot spot. Yeah. I mean, I'd get a... There's a lot to go in there, man. And it's like that. You know, you find the person that fits and works well and all that. <clears throat> that's that's kind of part of the game. Yeah. Um, where you know we we've got, there's so many different things we try at any given time that when you find something that works, man, you, you don't want to change it, yeah, right? Yeah. Aaron Tevis is a good example. He had you know issues with his wrists and stuff all the way through. Yeah. And we found a a brace. I was just talking last time I saw Tevis. I think I was talking about this. How um, there was a glove that used to be made. And it had a, a wrist guard built into it and a pad and all that stuff. And yeah. that was really one of the only things that helped him. And uh, and we had just signed our big contract with Nike, right? Yeah. And so we go down, we're playing Fresno State, <clears throat> and Tevis has this, you know, one-handed rolling interception thing. Yeah. And so they replayed it in slow motion, of course, on ESPN and all this. And the hand, you know, and, and so it zooms in on his hand. And, of course, it's not a, a, a product with the swoosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we get back to Boise and, and Monday afternoon, Dale Holstier, equipment manager, comes in and he goes, hey, thanks. I go, uh, you're welcome. What, what are you talking about? He goes, I just got the phone with our Nike guy. He's pissed. Yeah. I mean, uh, I go, what are you telling me for? Like, I don't have anything to do with that. He goes, no, the gloves you put Tevis in didn't have, they weren't Nike gloves, so he's pissed at us. I'm like, Nike doesn't make that. Yeah, like, yeah. And so we went through this whole thing and moving forward from that, like, if we had to spat a guy over his tape over his shoe, or if we had to do something special that wasn't the swoosh, we, we had to give them a heads up ahead of time. So if they saw it on TV, um, we were okay. And, and that's kind of died off a little bit, but you know, that was, that's how important that agreement was with us. And yeah. the really cool part about working with, with a company like Nike is they get it and they come down and they know everything and, and we can talk with them back and forth. And we talked about product things and all this design, all this, but yeah, I got my ass chewed because Tevis had a great interception. We didn't yeah. have to, I even went and cut the logo of the other company off the glove. Yeah. And um, they still got mad. Oh yeah. Still got mad. So yeah. I, I, I don't see them around much anymore. I don't know. Maybe Nike bought the company and went out. So <laughs> yeah. Do they, uh, so do you, you guys have one rep then, or do you have multiple reps that come down? Or? I have no idea Dale takes care of it. I show up to work and there's a pair of shoes on my desk. So yeah. that's, yeah. but you guys obviously have contracts with other companies like Don joy and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's, it depends on what the product is, you know, what we're trying to work with and how it goes. And you know, that's something that when I got into this business, I didn't know that existed. We just pulled something off the shelf or we had to order this and it showed up and away you go. Yeah. I didn't understand how all that worked. And that's been a big change too. all these things. Um, how, how the whole, um, uh, gear, all that stuff goes into what goes into uh, those agreements and all that. So it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's funny thinking back about, um, the big Nike contract because we became, I think like a Nike premier school when I was mm -hmm. at BSU and, Coach Pete was so excited about yeah. these new jerseys we had for like the Georgia game or whatever it yeah. was. And I mean, it's just two, two stories now. Cause it just made <laughs> me think of it. But like, I think coach Pete made Kellen dress up in the new, uh, in the new gear and he like had to walk out in front of the team and he just like walked out all mopey. Like obviously he was not the person like you should have given it to a person like Titus or like, right? you know, yeah. somebody who's, you know, had a little bit more personality, but, uh, yeah. The guy that hates the spotlight more than any other, but shines the brightest when yeah, it's yeah, on. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was cool being part of that Nike premiere thing. And, um, you know, having the Nike rep come and talk to us and coach Pete, like talk up the new technology that they came up yeah. with. And, um, I don't know, as a young, a young kid, um, you know, you put something shiny in front of them and they're like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing in the world. And <laughs> right. I know half of it is recruiting too. Sure. And they yeah. get all the shiny stuff to get the best yeah. recruits. So well, what the, the agreement with Nike was big because <clears throat> right when we got it, few years in we were having a, an issue with guys breaking uh their fifth med in their foot oh, okay and and we looked at it and we're like huh i wonder what this is all about and and so you know i'd gotten with with all the people and and our docs and all this and after a few guys we, we come to find out that the, there's a consistent thing in there and there's a cleat <clears throat> that was really pressing on guys and so and i'd have to cut that cleat off uh -huh. and so you know, we called the Nike guys and they came down and I looked at, thanks man. Yeah. I looked at them and, and it was, uh, we showed them what the deal was. Yeah. And they brought one of their shoe designers and a marketing guy and all this down. And we resized everybody on the team. I was there for that. Remember that? Yeah. And yeah. that's a big deal. Like to have somebody from a company that size willing to come down and listen. And I think, you know, it's not just a Nike thing. There's a lot of people that when you care about the details of your job and your relationships, that matters. And they went back and, 
Um, <laughs> when we resized everybody, Billy Wynn was wearing the same cleats as like a, a 160 pound corner. Oh my God. I and he's that. our 260 pound or 80 pound, whatever it was, defensive tackle. Like, yeah. Billy, Billy can't wear these anymore. Yeah. yeah. But what do you mean? I, they held me up faster. Like, they're like wide receiver yeah, shoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Billy, your feet are falling off both sides of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, they went back and, and looked at that and changed some design things. And that was huge for us. That is the reason that I wear size 12s now instead of size 13s. I always thought I was a size 13. Mm-hmm. Ah, you're welcome. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they came in and they resized everyone. And I remember I remember there were, there were people that took it as a blow to their ego, like sure. Corey Wyarty. <laughs> they like resized his... They resized his shoes, and I don't even know. Like he's he's like, oh, you're this one's a ten and a half, and this one's an eleven. He's like, no way, I'm wearing at least twelves. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've never been through an exercise like that before. But but see, all of those things when you look back on them, especially now, I've come to really appreciate stuff like that, and I try to recognize kind of when you're in the midst of something like that, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's gone. You're like, wow, that was actually a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Because when I'll go back to even when I started at, I had no idea what I was doing. So we'll go all the way back to the beginning here. Yeah. So I'm sitting at my buddy's house in Reno and I had no idea this field of athletic training even existed. Right. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to be and all this stuff. So I'm sitting around with my buddy and another friend of ours that happened to play football there. And we're talking about what we're going to be when you grow up and all that stuff over some um, glasses of water. And, (laughs) (laughs) And we get into it, and, and I'm talking about, uh, I might go to PT school, PA, I, I don't know, something in the health field. He goes, well, come be a trainer. I go, what the hell's that? Yeah. And he goes, oh, we, you know, there are people that help us. They help us do our rehab, take care of injuries. They travel with us around the field with us. I go, hold on. Healthcare staff? I get free clothes and good seats? Yeah. He goes, yeah. I'm like, fuck, sign me up twice, man. Yeah. So he took, took and introduced me to Tony Merrick, who's the head athletic trainer at the time. And I walked in, and... It was about a five-minute conversation. He goes, my buddy Tony Amatier, who was coaching high school down in Rio now, he goes, hey, Tone, this is, uh, this is Mark Paul. He, I think he wants, he wants to be a trainer and wants to talk about it. He looks up from the desk and he goes, where are you from? Fallon, Nevada? Yeah. Oh, my God. So then he goes, uh, do you know anything about this? No, I, I don't know anything. Like yeah. at the time, it was this single wide construction trailer, was a training room. Yeah. And so he goes, well, we're about to wrap up here for spring, so we can do some stuff in the fall. Come back. Yeah. All right. Good talk. Yeah. Good, good to meet you. I left and we came back and um, it, we had moved into a different site because they were building the new facilities and all that. And so the first day I go, all right, I'm here. And he goes, Cavi tells the, the grad assistant at the time <clears throat> who he goes, hey, uh, go teach Polly. I, I had a nickname in like four minutes. I hadn't even been in the place. Yeah, Polly. Yeah. He goes, Polly, go in there. Teach him how to stretch legs. Yeah. All right. So I land there. I wake up the next day. My legs are sore from being stressed. Oh like I'd, I'd never done this shit before. Yeah. And so, all right, cool. Well, that afternoon, a guy walks in the building and he goes, hey, uh, can I get stretched out? And, uh, you know, I don't know anything yet still. I look around with the other G. He goes, what the hell are you looking at me for? Go stretch his damn legs. <laughs> all right, I guess here we go. Yeah. You know, saddle up. Got to figure it out on it's, your own. Exactly. So I work on this guy's legs. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And he leaves and... and the other TJs go, well, how'd you do? Did you do it right? I'm like, Look, I don't know. No, you stepped over here and helped me. And yeah. Well, I hope you did because uh, that's Brock Marion. And it was our All-American safety at the oh time. Oh, my right? God. And I'd only seen him through after having 12 of these at the tailgate party. Yeah. Because I was just a regular student up until then. Yeah. He goes, and he's going to go. This is before pro days and combines and all that. And he goes, 
Uh, yeah, he's about to go work out for the next two hours for NFL scouts that are in oh town to God. watch him. So I hope he did right because his entire NFL career is resting on you now. <laughs> like that was my indoctrination into yeah. the field. Yeah. So for the next two hours, I was a mess. Yeah. I mean, if he comes back and he blew his hamstring, it's entirely my fault. Yeah. Ruptures a ten. I like. Oh, I, and he came back in. He ended up getting drafted. Hell, he was all pro even one year. So yeah. and I. So now I tell him, Oh yeah, remember that time I made his whole career? Yeah. yeah. You guys thought you had me, didn't you? Kiss my ass. So. So, so was athletic training. Um, Something you could pick as a major back then too? No, you majored in like health science. My degree's in health sciences. Okay. And so you go through it. And I was in the same classes with people who went on to med school or PT school or chiropractors, you know, any, like this health related stuff. And then yeah. you kind of specialize as you got towards the end of it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so is it like a, do they have athletic training specific degrees now? They or? do. Yeah. Here in Boise, uh, up until a couple of years ago, we had a, an, a, an accredited undergraduate curriculum for athletic training. Okay. And that just switched over to a graduate program now. So you come out of the athletic training program with a master's degree instead gotcha. of a bachelor's. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow. So do you have, do you have to graduate with a bachelor's before you get the master's? Or? Yeah. That's the most common uh, route. Now we, we also have another route where, it's called an accelerated program. It's a, it's five years total, and you come out along the way. You get your bachelor's in about three years or so, three and a half, and then you roll right into the master's program. And a couple of years later, you have a master's degree too. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's something something I never really thought about. But if I if I didn't play sports and I didn't know what to do, I feel like athletic training would be a cool a cool way to be around sports. And and I think a lot of the male athletic trainers that we had were kind of those types of guys. Like mm. they still wanted to be involved in sports, but they probably didn't have the opportunity to play sports. Right. And um, I think the same thing for the equipment managers too. It was <laughs> guys that were just like yeah. diehard football fans um, that wanted to be around it still. You know, th there is some of that. Um, I've come to notice now a lot of it is, you know, whether you don't have the talent or whether you don't have the, the access to resource, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Um most everybody has played sports at one point in their other. And they realize like, Hey, I can do this other thing. And it's really pretty cool because the ones that you see around that last a long time or really achieve, they have that same drive, right? Yeah. They have that same initiative. They have that sense of curiosity and, and willing to take some risks and try some things, but pretty measured, you know, you gotta be smart about it. Yeah. And the ones that just think it's cool because you get a free t-shirt they don't really last very long. Yeah, yeah. And and that's been a, a really good thing. You can kind of, you know, you get through one preseason camp or one season or one spring deal or whatever. And you're like, okay, yeah, never mind. I'm good. Like, holy shit, that was actually a lot of work. Yeah, like the, everybody thinks game day is the big thing, right? When the lights come all that. And I tell them, look, it, game day is like the time we should not be doing it. If everything goes exactly according to plan on game day, I don't do shit except maybe tape a couple ankles and do some stuff pregame. And then we're in a stadium of 30,000 to 100,000 people and nobody knows I'm there. Yep. yep. That's perfect. Yeah. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? I said, dude, our work starts as soon as that final whistle goes all the way to the kickoff of the next week. Yeah. That's when we work. Yeah. And it's stuff that hopefully you never see, you never hear about all that stuff because it's all, you know, getting cleaning up the mess after this game and getting ready for the next one in the span of six days. Yeah. And I go, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's like being, I mean, a lot of what you said is like being an offensive lineman. Like yes. when the spotlight's on you, it's not it's good. It's never good. You want to, yeah. you want to go <laughs> yeah. under the radar. Yeah. Um, you don't want people to notice you. Um, and I've actually, I've taken that mindset of, you know, game day being much, much easier than the rest of the week. I've taken that mindset into my career and into my everyday life. Like, 
if I'm prepping for a big meeting, you know, where I have to introduce a new product or provide some education, I work at St. Alphonsus mm-hmm. um, and I have to go meet with physicians and, and provide education about certain things. I practice that so much. And sometimes I'll even practice it like in front of my wife or I'll practice it in my Absolutely. office by myself. So when I go and do it, it's easier than when I was practicing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and football's like that. Like Coach Pete always told us, we're going to make practice as hard and difficult as we can. We're going to show you all these different fronts. We're going to show you all these all these different blitzes. And then when we show up on game day, it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you practice like you play. You play like you practice. But sometimes the game moves a lot slower than yeah. what they throw at you in practice. And yeah. so um, I really, really appreciate that aspect of, you know, my football education at Boise State. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I looked at at um, this past season, <clears throat> you know, the play call sheets have gone, they've, they've become these huge things. It looked like almost like a bed sheet. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. as they are with all these plays. And I was, I was watching um, a couple weeks ago, or excuse me, uh, last season, I mean, and Harse, of course, has one, and all the D coaches have theirs, and offensive coaches have stuff, and all that jazz. And I was actually looking at one of those, and the sheer number of plays, the number of fronts, the number of blitzes, the number, all these packages are on there, right? And everything's color coded. And I just kind of watched him go through it, and how each coach has their system, yeah, you know, and how. Um, the players they they practice signaling right all week long. Yep, yep. The the quarterbacks sit there with headsets on. They practice signaling the plays in. Like all of those details, it's amazing how much effort and time goes into getting it right. Yeah. Because when it's go time, you don't have the luxury to go. Oh wait, that didn't work. Let me back up and try this again. Like it doesn't happen. You yeah. don't get a redo. Yeah. And I think that's a. I'm glad you're doing that in in your job now because you got one shot to get them in front of a group of people and talking and yeah. you don't get to come back the next week and do it again. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's a really big detail. Yeah. And I, I actually recently interviewed for a different job too. And it was, it was a very good experience to interview for this job, but I, if I can provide, you know, a little bit of education for people who mm-hmm. are, who are interviewing and don't know what to do or how to prep for the interview process, <clears throat> this is actually something I, I hate to say it, but I think Coach Pete taught me this also. Having canned answers. So prepping for an interview, you kind of know the questions they're going to ask. Like, what do you do in your current job? Why do you want why do you want this new position? Um, what do you currently do in your job? Sure. Um, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? You can kind of map out, I just map out five of those questions and have three bullet points underneath, and you have, you know, the the three statements you want to make about that one question and you practice those, Mm -hmm. you know, over and over and over again. So you know exactly when they ask you, what do you do in your career? Or or, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have those three things you can go back to. And no matter what questions they ask, you can somehow tie it back to one of those canned answers. (laughs) Um, And I think that that prep, I mean, it's like prepping for a football game. Like, no matter if they come out in a five man front instead of a four man front, you kind of know what you're going to do uh, because you've practiced it. Um, and you can always go back to the fundamentals and you can, you know, go to your coach on the sideline and chat about it. But um, I, <laughs> I, I like taking that mindset and applying it to different things. And even, I mean, I own a business on the side that we haven't mm-hmm. even talked about. Um, but in that aspect too, when you're coaching, um, when you're coaching a group of athletes and, somebody has an injury or they have a shoulder impingement or they can't do a squat correctly or their knee hurts, 
you have to think about those things before you coach a group of people, um, especially a group of people who are not high level collegiate athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you know, you read over what the workout is going to be, you know, the day before you coach or a couple days before you coach and you go over in your head. Okay. If, if we're doing snatches and I have a person who has a shoulder injury, what am I going to substitute for them? So they Mm -hmm. still get a good workout. They still have a good experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that that mindset can be applied to a ton of different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. can. You're such a lineman. You just compared interviewing for a job and, you know, supporting your family and your career to a four man front. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, uh, I love it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, got away from football for a while because it was such football overload. Um, and I think now I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm back interested in it again a little bit. Um, I think I was so determined to focus on other things when I got done with football. Like I wanted to lose weight. I wanted Mm -hmm. to get healthy. I wanted to uh, find a career that I was passionate about. I wanted to finish grad school. Um, and I don't think I gave it in the past six years, I don't think I gave it the appreciation that I should have. Sure. And I think having that conversation with coach Pete the other day on the phone, um, you know, really made me reflect on how important all those things are and, and how much I utilize the stuff that him coach Strasser and coach Saha, how much those guys influenced who I am today. Sure. Um, you know, that, that period from 18 to 23 is I feel like it's a very critical point in your life and I mean I was around those guys every single day and sure you know I I appreciate the heck out of that experience so well, I, I'm glad you're seeing all that kind of stuff and, and you know there's so many you never know where that influence is coming from in your life as you get older yeah as you go through life. I look back now and you know I, I can I can tell you my my third grade teacher what she was like I can tell you um, one of the best coaches I've ever been around when I was a graduate student and he ran a swimming and diving program. It's absolute powerhouse. Yeah. And to this day, it's still going strong, you know. And then my high school uh, football coach went on, and he actually went to the University of Nevada at the same time I did and started a college coaching career. Okay. And then, lo and behold, I come back around as a student towards the end of my career, and we're on the same field together. And then, you know, you just go through all these things and find out these people. And, and that's one of the stuff that's been <clears throat> I've been really appreciative of is the athletics world – Man, it's not eight to five Monday through Friday. It's yeah. hard. And my wife, Tamara, she she is an unbelievable rock star to to you know sign on for this too and yeah and all these things. And so it's been it's been a ride. And, and all along, there's there's been people that have made these lasting impacts, even on me, on the other side of it, from being a player. That again, you don't really realize it at the time until you have a little bit of time in the saddle, and then um, you can look back on it and go, oh hey. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. when you're young and dumb, you got all the answers. You just, you know, I don't know. You just, you just want to beat your head against the wall sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, you know, they come around. That's yeah, good. yeah. And I think, I think, post sophomore year, like once I got into my junior year and my senior year, I think I did grow up a little bit, and I started yeah. to realize that I didn't know mm-hmm. everything. Um, and you actually helped me get into grad school. I don't know if you know that or not, um, or if you even remember this. But you helped me write my, um, I don't even know what you call it. It's like my letter. Oh, yeah. It was your admission essay. Yeah, like yeah. my admission essay. Uh-huh. Um, you helped me with that. And then I think you wrote me a letter of recommendation, too, um, mm. to get into the College of Social Sciences. <laughs> and um, Yeah, man. It, it's, 
it's funny looking back on that period of my life and, and reflecting on it and just the different like when you have conversations with former players, they start to bring up stuff that I totally forgot about. Oh yeah. And that's why I love, I've had lunch recently with, um, Richie Brockle and we, yeah. we reconnected and he's actually helping me with some stuff, uh, with my personal business cause he's a CPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I recently reconnected with Carlo Adignati. No way. Yeah. And uh, he actually came on the Wait, podcast. Wait, isn't he selling real estate here in town? Yep. yep yeah. Yep. My wife's an escrow officer. So, oh, no so I get a, Hey, did you know, you know, this person, I'm like, yeah, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it, it's it's awesome reconnecting with those people because it'll bring up memories that, you know, either you completely forgot about or a period in your life where, you know, maybe you blocked something out because it wasn't a good time or, or whatever. Sure, but, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's fun chatting with guys and the stuff they remember versus the stuff you remember. It's just fun to tell stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny you, you say that about Carlo being a real estate, a real estate uh, guy because I feel like, Literally everyone that I played football with is now in real estate. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's there's so much going on. I mean, it's just absolutely insane the real estate market. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, watching. I mean, I'm in a position now where I can say, ah, the old players used to be. The, like I, I sound like some wise old sage. Far from it, but it's so neat seeing everybody, especially from your era. And, and when I first got here to Boise, and I'm still even following up with. Um, some of the players from Nevada I talked to. Um, but one of the things that I never thought I'd be doing with your band of knuckleheads, Yeah, I went to uh, Faraji's concert. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I walk into this place. I didn't even know where it was, first of all. I walk in, and I'm at a Rex Life Raj concert. Right? Dude, I am not that, – that's not my genre of music. I'm a yeah. country guy. I'm all about George Street, that kind of stuff. So I walk in, and I'm like, all right. You know, and thank God Kellen Burr came, and Tevis was there. So. Yeah. You know, I, I knew a couple people in the building, right? And so we're watching and, and goes through a couple opening acts. I'm like, okay. You know, and yeah. then Raj came out. Yeah. All I could think of the whole time was this young guy with a big giant neck roll on his head because of all the stinger. <laughs> like I'm thinking of all the things we used to do in the training room and how, you know, he'd come in and sing these little ditties in the training room and make up stories on the fly. And I'm just like, this is not the same dude. Yeah. But it was in so many ways. Like yeah. those characteristics and personalities caught up with him after the show and like is so proud of him. Like so excited to see what he's doing and what you got going. And, you know, I talk to Richie every now and then and uh, it, it's still like, like we're in the training room and, yeah. and just, you know, yelling at each other for something or laughing about something or whatever it is. So yeah. it, it's been just an awesome run. Yeah. I, it's so funny. I, I chatted with my, my buddy Tristan on the podcast about Rex life Raj, because we actually, we have Rex life Raj on our CrossFit composure playlist <laughs> yeah. at the gym and his songs come on every once in a while. So he gets some Spotify dollars from us, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I never, I never even thought that, Faraji would turn that into a career, like seeing his soundboard in his dorm room right? and stuff. Yeah. And I just thought it was a hobby. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess I never really took it seriously, but it was something that he was insanely passionate about. And he's, he is killing it now. Oh my it's, gosh. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. You never know where it's going to start. It, yeah. So here's, so when I was at the university of Nevada, Chris Alt was the coach there, right? And he was the AD and, the, it, and all this. My obligatory, I, I am not a fan of Chris Alt. No, you are not. I, we've had this discussion too. I get it. Oh, my God. So. And Barry, Barry Sachs too. I have a story about him. <laughs> Sachs. Yeah, yeah. 
So, so anyway, with Coach Hall, we go through it. He comes back. He's and we had just um, fired the previous coach, and he stepped down as AD and came back as head football coach. Yeah. And so we're going through and all this stuff. And, and I, you know, every time I go into his office, talk to him about stuff. He had just stacks of notebooks, and yeah. he's just constantly scribbling and dialing and all this stuff. I'm like, you know, he's. We didn't have computers and a bunch of fancy stuff back then, so I'm like, I can coach his old school anyway, whatever. Yeah. I, I never looked at the notepads, didn't know what it was, and then you know that spring. A month or two go by, and I walked down to the field with our team physician on the practice field. <clears throat> and there was Coach Alt, um, our offensive coordinator, who was the O-line coach at the time, and the running backs coach there. Yeah. And then there was three players. It was our center at the time, our quarterback at the time, and our running back. And, you know, when you're on the field, there's like there, not everybody's there, so it's spatial relationships you can't really make out and all this stuff. And we're like, what's Coach doing? What's Coach doing? <laughs> oh, he's practicing some stuff and, you know, just getting ready, cadencing, whatever. And we were there to talk about somebody's injury or something like that or a surgery coming up. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, what is that? Because they're not – like they're not in shotgun, but he's not – what is he doing? And so called, Coach all walks over, and he's got this grin on his face. It's like a kid at Christmas, right? And he goes – Hey, what are you looking at? What do you see? You don't even know what you see. Like, he didn't even give us a chance to answer. You don't even know what you see. I'm like, well, coach, you ain't shotgun. And he goes, holy cow, Paul, you're not as dumb as you goddamn yak. All this it was just hilarious. I go, what are you doing? And he goes, it's called the pistol. Oh, yeah. I go, what? And he goes, yeah, this is uh and he broke down the entire offense in like 10 minutes. Yeah. To Doc and I. And I'm watching him like, and I finally tell him, I go, you be as crazy as you seem now you might be honest that was literally the first practice snaps of the pistol offense wow and then everyone's using it everybody to see what it grew into yeah like holy cow like so you like faraji's key uh soundboard right you yeah, something to do something to try this pistol thing like the entire spring we, were, we didn't run a single offensive play i don't think anything but the pistol he was yeah. fully committed i'm like this is either going to be really cool or we are absolutely, this is going to be the shortest tenure of a college football coach yeah, ever, right? Yeah. And here it is today. Yeah. So to be a part of those things and see it and you don't know where it goes, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And That's- then fast forward, we get up there and, and you know, I came in the summer after the first Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. Okay. And so all of a sudden you see these expectations are so high. And you've got to step up your game to match. You kind of have an idea, but until you're in the woods of it, you don't know. Yeah. And then from there, we took off. Like that was, you know, Kellen, all these guys, there was, you know, their freshman year. And then we go off to what it is. And now it's sustained. Like back then, you don't know what this is going to become. Yeah. Did you catch lightning in a bottle? Or is it a big thing that's going to last? And and now, however many years later, I'm, this is the start of season 13 or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. 14. And, and here we're still going. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome that you got to be a part of that and, and see that pistol offense. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember, do you remember what year that was? That would have been a couple of years before I came here. So that was about six, five, something like that. Was Kaepernick a freshman or? Yeah. So cap, I was there for two years with cap. Yeah. And Cap wasn't even our starting quarterback at the okay. time. The, the guy that was a starter ahead of him, he could throw the ball a country mile yeah. and throw it on a rope. And did he, he did he get hurt in the game against Boise and Cap came in? He did. I, I remember. Yes. And was that the game where it was 69, 67 yeah. or whatever? Yeah. And yeah. Tim Brady made the final <laughs> yeah. tackle. Dude, I remember. I was in the stands for yeah. that game. I remember yeah. everything about that. Well, when, when our starter got hurt, 
he hurt his foot. And so he's trying to hop out. He's a tough kid, man. Trying to hop all the way from the opposite hash to the sideline. And yeah. Finally, I went out and I met him. I go, whoa, whoa, stop. Go down. He goes, no, I, I can hop all the way out. I go, no, you need to lay down. Yeah. He goes, what do you mean? Why? I go, we have to stop the game. Captain, doesn't even know where the hell his helmet is. <laughs> And so we laid down, I'm looking at his foot and I got one eye on him and I got one eye on the sideline and like, you're trying to get, you know, the, the, the backup who's never played yet to slow your breathing down. We're yeah. good. This is what we're going to do the first couple of plays. Like, give him, and, and I look over like, okay, he looks ready. Okay. Let's get up and go yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then enter cap and away we go. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny though, that starting quarterback, he works for Simplot now Oh and no he way. comes back in town about once a year for some training stuff. We've been out to dinner two or three times. Since oh, that's then. awesome. Yeah. All these years later. Well, what's his name? Nick Graziano. Nick Graziano. He's an engineer for Simplot. Okay. Unbelievable kid. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was Cap like? Amazing. Then? Great. Yeah. Respectful as hell. Polite. Um, Cause obviously run like a deer. Cap, so I, I go upstairs one day, do something, and, and my kids were there at work. And, and my son was just a little guy, just yeah. tiny, like eight maybe years old or whatever, 10. And uh, I come back down the hallway, and obviously I was gone longer than usual. Everything runs over in athletics, right? Yeah. So I come down the hallway, and there's a window in the door to the athletic training room. And I see Colby in there, and he's just cocking back like a little kid does, and they're throwing a football right, just giving it everything he's got. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is he into? <laughs> what is he broken? Like, I walk in and he was playing catch with Cap. Oh, no way. And I think Cap was having more fun than Colby was doing it, you know? And so like what we see today, it's like bad. I remember when he was 18 year old freshman, you know, it's totally um, changed. I see how it's evolved over the years. It's been amazing, but he was, he was awesome. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I, I think it's so funny how it's something like that can, can become so polarizing and i don't i you know i try to avoid super polarizing topics on my on my podcast um but the fact that somebody was exercising their free speech and thought it was like a nice peaceful way to do something (laughs) and and received that advice from i i think it was a navy seal is what i've read and all these ultra conservative people are getting pissed off at it it's like (laughs) Uh. okay that it seems like a very american (laughs) way of doing things and uh you know, I had a conversation with somebody the other day about how they were like, oh, I hate Colin Kaepernick. I hate Colin Kaepernick. And I was like, well, why do you hate Colin Kaepernick? Because of what he stands for or because he's successful yeah. and he found he found a way to market mm-hmm. himself and he's making a shitload of money from it. <laughs> like, he's a good entrepreneur as well. Like, I don't know. I just yeah. don't, I don't get, I mean... I don't get why it's so polarizing, but it's good to hear that he was a good kid yeah, and you had good awesome. experiences with him. And You know, I think that's the other thing I like around athletics, why I like it so much. Not just football. It can be any sport. We are around so many people of so many different backgrounds all the time. Yeah. Right? International kids come in. They don't even speak our language. Yeah. And um, being in that setting has really helped me um, to, to just see – everything in a totally different light and, and to hear different viewpoints, to have conversations where you can not agree on the same thing. But then when you sit down and really take a breath and listen to the other person, man, it's incredible how far you can get. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or not, but it doesn't have to turn into a screaming match that you go and, and, you know, go back and forth on Twitter and call each other out. Like to sit down in front of people and actually have a one-on-one conversation, especially when it's uncomfortable and hard to talk about. Yeah. Um, not many, it's shocking how many people still have a hard time with that. And it's, I know I struggled, especially at first, you know, recently. And then, 
And it's hard to keep your emotions out of it and listen and think logically a lot of times, especially when it's something you care about really deeply. Yeah. But when you can get to that point, man, it's amazing how far you can go. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I, I've thought about a lot recently um, that I miss about Boise State and being around the program was there were so many guys from so many different diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. in different parts of the country, um, you know, black dudes from downtown Houston and Mm -hmm. white dudes from North Idaho. And it's like the fact that all these different people can come together and work towards a common goal. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are at the end of the day. If you don't finish that 40 yard dash in the time allotted, you're going to have to redo (laughs) it. So at a certain point, you guys are going to have to work together. Exactly. Um, Yeah. yeah, I, uh, I, I think I took that for granted when I was at Boise State because it was it was so cool to chat with guys. I mean, we had dudes from uh, the Netherlands, right? You know, and I, Hollow and Ricky, and, and yeah. Ricky, and I actually, I, Debbie and I ran into Ricky the other day at Trader Joe's, and it was just it was good to see him. And I want to reconnect with those guys because mm-hmm. I regret not asking them more questions. You know, about sure. what what was life like growing up in the Netherlands? Yeah. I mean, how is it different from the United States? And you know, I I, I reached out to Gerald. This has been a while ago. Via Snapchat. I don't even know how the hell I did it. I'd have my daughter help me. And he hit me right back. It, that really hit me, like, how connected we actually are yeah. today, right? It, you can really reach out to anybody anywhere in the world at any given time. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, it's instant. Yeah. And that's that's something that I want to I want to start using this platform. I mean, I call it a platform, but I don't know how many people are actually listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, but I want to start talking to former players just sure. about what they're doing. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to chat with a whole different range of, of people because I have friends, um, you know, I have friends in politics. I have friends in the healthcare mm-hmm. um, world. And then I have all my former um, teammates from Boise state. And I want to bring them on and just see like, what are you doing now? How are you using what you learned in college sure, for your yeah. current career? And um, you know, it, it's, it's just crazy that you have this, this bond with all these guys. I mean, God, I went to, college with guys from like South Central Los Angeles and Inglewood and yeah. Crenshaw High School and it's like I never I never thought that I was going to be around dudes like right? that but yeah. I, I do regret not asking more questions and, and learning more about you know mm-hmm. how people grew up and what home life was like and stuff and uh, um, I do know a lot of guys took advantage of their relationships with people when I was in college and they would go home with other guys. Yeah. So if a guy was from Colorado or whatever, they would go home with a guy from Texas and yeah. just meet their family. And mm-hmm. and um, I, I think it's pretty cool that that football allows people that opportunity to oh, absolutely to go yeah. learn stuff like that. That's nah, huge. So okay, um, we are gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back. So oh, so much better. <laughs> All right, and we are back. We are back. Um, so I was going to tell you, we talked about this when you first got here, but I threw my back out yesterday um, <laughs> doing what else I was exercising. Yeah. But I think there was some extra stress uh, on my body because of what I went through this weekend. And it was my first anniversary. Um, and my wife and I decided that for each of our um, anniversaries every year, we were going to go backpacking somewhere new. Okay. Um, and so we ended up going backpacking North of Loman, and my wife and I are actually going to do a podcast about this and, and chat about our, our whole experience and what we went through. But we ended up, um, we hiked up about three and a half miles. It's called Red Mountain Lakes. It's about 17 miles north of Highway 21, right in Loman. And uh, 
we camped out, we went fishing, did all this stuff, you know, normal camping things, uh, went to bed and we woke up to four inches of snow and <laughs> neither of us have been up there before. And so we were up at the third lake. And so we kind of hastily packed our, all of our stuff back up because it was still snowing and it was kind of a wet snow and we just didn't want, you know, the inside of the tent to get wet. And, sure. um, so rolled it up, threw it in our packs and we just started walking and we walked down to the second lake, walked down to the first lake. And when we got back to the first lake, we could not find the trailhead and huh. Oh no. My so so I think that this is my idea but my wife likes to say it was a mutual decision cuz I don't think she wants to put it all on me. <laughs> but we ended up following the creek for I I just we couldn't find the trailhead and it was either stay there and wait for the snow to melt which who the heck knows how long it's going to take for that snow to melt up there. Um I think we're at like 8500 feet and I just said, "Hey, let's follow the creek because we know the trail crosses over the creek at a couple spots." And so we, you know, we had to scramble down super far and backtrack a couple times before we actually got to the creek. And we followed the creek and we never found the spot (laughs) where the trail crossed the creek. And we ended up, eventually we found it. And then we hiked on the wrong trail um, all the way up this mountain. And we almost summoned this other mountain. We decided that was the wrong way to go. And then eventually we found the intersection of that trail and then the trail that we walked up. And we ended up we ended up hiking 16 and a half miles over the course of like seven hours with 50 pound packs on with our dog trudging along by us in the snow. Um, we both had some rain gear, but like we didn't have waterproof boots and uh, our feet were freezing ass cold. And um, it was uh, it was one heck of an experience. I've never been in that kind of panic mode sure. where it's like, holy shit, I'm lost. And. I think I kind of had to nut up and kind of be a man for my wife because <laughs> she was she she had a lot of anxiety about it and she knew that we were lost and I I didn't want to be the person that looked at her and told her hey we're screwed <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah I ended up working out yesterday and and threw my back out and I think it's because we walked sixteen and a half miles in the snow with fifty Good pound Lord. packs on um, but yeah. So mountaineering is not in your future, is what you're telling me. I don't. I, I told her. I, I said, "Hey, for our next anniversary, can we just go to dinner?" <laughs> but uh, holy cow! Yeah, it was it was a little ridiculous. And I, uh, oh my god, I was talking to Joe Kellogg the other day. I said I got lunch with him, and he stayed with Richie Brockle, which Richie is like I think his nickname was the Mountain Man or whatever yeah. in college, among other things. Yeah. Among other. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Joe was telling me about, you know, our, our first summer we come up and back in the day, the freshmen were allowed to stay with an upperclassman, Mm -hmm. stay on their couch. And obviously Boise state (laughs) got in a ton of trouble with that stuff and had to pay back all this money and got scholarships taken away or whatever. But Joe stayed on Richie's couch and I, like we had PRPs, which are player run practices. Mm -hmm. I think we lifted weights and conditioned four days a week in the, Mm -hmm. in the summer. Um, and Richie, when it, like when they got done with their workout on Friday, Richie asked Joe if he wanted to go like do this crazy hike with Richie and Richie's oh girlfriend. And Joe was just sitting on the couch and he's like, are you insane? And he's like, we're going to go camp for two nights and hike. And you know, it's a 50 mile trip or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and Joe's like, no, I'm going to sit on the couch. all <laughs> no, weekend." <laughs> I just know what hell no. And then <laughs> I guess Richie took off and then showed up again, you know, yeah. Sunday night and was ready to rock and roll on, on Monday. But, um, 
I don't know how how the hell he did that stuff when we were in college. But see, I love that about especially living here in Idaho. You drive thirty minutes and you can be in the middle of nowhere with nobody around you. And it's it's such a shift change from where so many people come from. Yeah. I think it's it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Oh my god. Okay, so speaking of Faraji. Speaking of people who he's from Oakland, I don't yeah. think he spent a lot of time outdoors, you know, when he was growing <laughs> up. So we did an, an O-line tight end camping trip every summer where we'd go up. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You did <laughs> like North of Arrow rock. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a fun thing. You'd go up there, bring some beer and light a fire and, and you know, there'd be some stories to tell after that. But we, we would take these guys who had never really been around guns. We'd, We'd take him out and teach him how to shoot. Yeah. And I remember Faraji, I think he had he had a twenty it was either a twenty two or a two two three. I forget what it was. But he had a round in the chamber and whoever was showing him how to shoot didn't really go over everything with him. Yeah. And he had his finger on the trigger and he turned and he like sweeped everyone and everyone's like Faraji, put the fucking guts down. I remember that story. <laughs> Because I was, at first I was like, oh, thank God nobody got shot. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Are yeah. you kidding me? I don't know who it was. I mean, I could I could blame a hundred different people for it, but I know I was not the one that was showing Faraji how to use the gun. <laughs> um, and then I think we took, uh, I think Matt Paradis and I, we both bought AR-15s when we were in college. Well, because why wouldn't you? Yeah, because why wouldn't you? Because yeah. it's fun and you have nothing else to do. <laughs> and uh, we took Demarcus Lawrence out to like Black's Creek, <laughs> Black's Creek Reservoir. And, um, yeah, just seeing, you know, you teach him how to shoot and then he's like, I don't think he'd ever shot a gun before that, but you know, he thinks he's all gangster and stuff and fires (laughs) off 30 rounds in a row. And then I think, I think dice, uh, Matt Paradis brought his like 300 wind mag or some hunting rifle and Demarcus like had his eye super close to the scope (laughs) Yes. I don't think Matt Matt told him anything about that. Know. And he shot and he scoped himself. Scope and, himself. Yeah, uh. messed his eye up. But those kind of, like, that's the kind of stuff I miss was, like, you know, going out in the wilderness with these dudes that grew up in the inner city. And, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just fun. Uh, yeah, you guys had come back from a weekend and we had no idea what the hell we were cleaning up. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was every Monday yeah. in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah. I remember... Um, Zach Waller and I had a few adult beverages one night and this was going into my sophomore year. And I thought that there'd be, it might've been going into my freshman year. Um, like my first year of eligibility. Cause I gray shirted, red shirted, and then had the first year that I could play. And, you know, I thought I'd be fighting for a starting position, but l- like right before fall camp happened, Zach Waller and I got into a fist fight and we got into like this wrestling match and I rolled my ankle super bad. And dude, I thought I'd like ruined my whole career by rolling mm-hmm. my ankle. And it's just hilarious because, <laughs> oh, I have another story about this night. <clears throat> but it's like Waller and I got into this fight. We hated each other that night. And then we woke up the next morning and, you know, we're in, we lived in the same house mm-hmm. and we were like eating breakfast. And it's like, okay, we got to go to Home Depot and get shit to patch the wall. <laughs> and so, so Waller and I drive up to Home Depot together to buy whatever for the wall. And like, I'm hobbling through Home Depot thinking my whole career's ruined because mm-hmm. I thought I broke my ankle. Do you remember um, the story you told me about how you heard it? What did I tell you? That you were at the, the racetrack place here in town and getting out of your car and you tripped and, and rolled over. I'm like, <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. You know, yeah. and over years, you you 
you know, one thing growing up, like I did on the small ranch, you, you learn when there's a giant pile of bullshit right in front of you, yeah, how not yeah, to yeah. step in it. So, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. The, the little kitty go karts. You, yeah, you yeah, tripped yeah. coming out of that Division One <laughs> athlete. Okay. Well, and it's funny. The last person I had on the podcast was my mom, and we were talking about how, as a parent, when your kids start to tell you stuff. You know, they get into high school and they start to venture out and maybe they start drinking with their friends or whatever. Yeah. And this, yeah, the stupid ass stories you come up with to like try to cover your own ass. It's, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah I didn't even remember that I told you. Oh, yeah. Made up some stupid yeah, story. Stupid. Oh, that's the one? Yeah. Oh, all right. You know, go karts. Not one of the worst ones I've heard, but we'll go with it. Yeah. yeah. It's certainly not one of the better, but yeah. Yeah. If that's what you want to go with. Okay. Yeah. Um, so have, do you have any other stories about guys doing stupid stuff away from sports and oh not being God. able to play, oh, like in, injuring themselves? Oh, yeah, that list is goes on and on and on. It, yeah. And it's and it's stuff that you did, um, you know, like you said, you're out and about doing things and, and having a great time and doing it all of a sudden. Like we have had, I've seen guys that come back with their, their hands burned from throwing shit in the fire. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> out in the campfire, um, falling off a horse. And they get hurt, like separated shoulders, like like stuff like that. Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be hard to. I, I always avoided doing um, like wakeboarding or going snowboarding because I did that stuff when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. But then when I, once I got to college, it's like, okay, I know people break their wrists all the time snowboarding. I'm not going to go risk it yeah. or you know do an ACL or an MCL, whatever wakeboarding. Um, I always tried to avoid that stuff yeah. when I was in college. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy shit. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the one that like, coaches hate hearing that. So-and-so did this doing whatever else outside of their sport and yeah. they go crazy. I'm like, what, what did you do in college at that age? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we've all done that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. Coach Strasser told us a couple stories. I'm not going to share them on the podcast, but he had some <laughs> stories about when he was in college <clears throat> and just, you know, how, how the landscape had changed so much and social media and totally. the news and the spotlight was on you all the time. Like I can't imagine, you know, the thing that I heard about Ryan Dinwiddie was, you know, he fell asleep drunk in his car while he was on the road or whatever and was in the middle of an intersection. But I feel like that got so brushed off when it happened to him. But if that kind of thing happened oh like gosh. to Kellen Moore or to, um, one of the more recent quarterbacks, I don't think that that's something you could really recover from. And you'd, no. you'd be done. I think, yeah, in today's day and age, like you, just the, the cell phone pictures, everywhere you go, somebody's videoing it. You yeah. Know? And it, it's not that you have to be constantly on guard. Like you do, but it, it just takes some common sense, right? Like just don't do that stupid shit yeah. when you're on the about, you know. And when you're at home, you can kind of relax. When you're when you're out in the mountains or hills or you're off somewhere, you can kind of relax a little bit. But it's just, well, how do you be on guard like that the whole time? It's like, I don't know. You do. You you just do. Yeah. Or you don't. Yeah. And, you have to learn and adapt. And, yeah. Exactly. Um, I I can't imagine. I mean, we had cell phones. We had iPhones and stuff when I was in when I was in college. But I don't think it was anywhere near as prevalent as no. how it is yeah. now. Um, I think Instagram was just kind of starting. Facebook was around. I think we had Snapchat back then. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't remember people filming shit at parties. And no, no. That didn't happen back then, but I know it happens now. Oh, there's absolutely. like a There's like a Barstool Sports Boise chapter now. <laughs> yeah. And all they do is film shit at parties. Yep. So, 
Um, yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a different world, man. It's, yeah. it's a different world. That's and you can either embrace it, the change, and, and live with it, and go with it, and have a good time with it, and learn from it, or you can just dig your heels in like an old stubborn mule and try and resist it. And, yeah. And I think you know, for all of us, I know for myself anyway, there's a lot of stuff I'm comfortable with changing and adapting and going. Um, I've had to get a lot better at be willing to roll with stuff and fail at it of the stuff that I'm not comfortable with. I don't know anything about and all that. And cause you kind of make yourself look like a dingbat sometimes. You know, like I'll ask my kids all the time, Hey, how do I do this with my phone? Yeah. Or how do, and they look at me like, Oh, dad, roll your eyes, you know, but that's just kids in general. Yeah. You know, dads don't know anything anyway, but, <laughs> but I, I go out all the time to my, like the younger members of the crew or, or guys on the team or whatever. I go, like, Hey, what is this? Like, how do you do this? Yeah. Yeah. And, it's a, but if you just resist it and fight it, well, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I always wonder, I mean, my, my wife and I have done this thought experiment a few times. What's the thing that our kids are going to have that we aren't going to understand? Because inevitably, there's going to yeah. be something like that. Yeah. And it's like, I'm young, I'm tech savvy. I, you know, I'm learning how to use Adobe Photoshop and <laughs> Premiere and all that stuff right now. And, and especially like doing the audio stuff with the podcast. Sure, yeah. Um, but I know at some point our kid is going to say like, dad, you don't know how to do that. And it's like, what is that thing going to be? You know, I can't wait for that. Day. I've been going through 23 years of it already. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so your, your son's 23 years old. Colby just turned uh, 23 in February and wow. Kennedy turned 20 in uh, April. Holy smokes. Yeah. And so he, where did he go to college? Uh, so he went to end up going to uh, Wenatchee uh, okay. Valley uh, JC up there. He went to Capitol High School here. Okay. And then uh, went to Wenatchee and, and was a pitcher for them. Gotcha. And then Kennedy also obviously went to Capitol and then um, is here with us. Yeah. And she, and she's playing soccer. She is. Yeah. She said, yeah, awesome. I have a newfound respect. I don't know if I ever told you this or not. I played indoor soccer for like three sessions. Really? Yes. And I have a newfound respect for soccer. I, I used to shit on soccer so much. Uh, but my wife played soccer at Oklahoma Baptist in okay. college. Um, and she had always done indoor soccer since I've known her. Yeah. And she eventually talked me into coming and trying it out. And, um, you know, I think if, if you play a team sport, you can kind of understand the dynamics of everything and like sure. where you need to be on the field. But it's really those minute detail um fundamental type things that I did not have when I first started. And when somebody first kicked me the ball and I tried to like control it and it just went flying off, it's like, Oh, okay. There's a little bit more nuance to this than I thought. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun. I, I, I don't know. It's fun dabbling and stuff that, you know, like I've ran a half marathon or a couple of half marathons mm-hmm. and then playing soccer and, you know, just challenging yourself in different ways that I never thought. I mean, I was 308 pounds when I was playing at BSU yep. and doing stuff that you never thought you'd, you'd do. You Absolutely. Know? So, yep. yeah. I got into the you know, doing stuff you, you didn't do. I, I'm more of the doing stuff I used to do. I grew up hunting and fishing and camping and all that. Yeah. And you get into the athletics world, well, the fall is one of the prime times to go do that. It's yeah. Christine and I've just been doing football for the last decade and a half, two to two and a half decades and, so I haven't gonna do that. So I got into, you know, back and tying flies. I haven't tied flies in forever. I love yeah. fly fishing and, and all the hunting stuff. In fact, um, I saw some stuff the other day. I was gonna reach out to Corey Bell because him oh. and DJ Dean, they're you know they're chucking hunting all the time. Yeah. And we got a guy that works on the facilities now that has a place out in Parma and he goes and shoots pheasants all the time. I'm like, 
we, it's taken me a long time, but we're finally at a place where you can start enjoying those things again. And yeah. You got people in place to help. And, and, and I think that's an important deal too, is you, you know, you grind and you bust your tail and you try to do things right. And then you screw up and do all that stuff for so long. And then you get to a point where you can actually go start enjoying that stuff again. And yeah. That's a, important for, I think my, my wife and I, now that the kids are in college and kind of doing their own thing, get back to what we were doing. That yeah. change. The, so, this is actually during your year. The first game, it was in 20-something years. I think it was actually 20 seasons that I missed a home game, or I missed a game home or road. Yeah. And you guys were in New Mexico. Okay. Playing. And uh, they ran that, you know, triple option stuff. That's It's so hard, if, especially if you've got a disciplined team. Yeah. And uh, this was going to be the first game I'd ever missed. And Tam goes, hey, you sure – you know, you want to watch it. Cause usually when you guys are gone, I have, you know, some people over at the house who watch the game. Blah, blah. I go, Oh yeah, that'll be fun. Like it'll be good. She goes, are you sure this is the first one? Like yeah. you sure you just want to kind of chill at the house and see how it goes. She goes, Oh no, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be good. Babe. All right. She goes, okay. So, uh, neighbors come over, some friends of ours, good friends that come over and we're watching. There was a time in the third quarter, they ran an option on there. Forget this. Uh, they're an option around the left end and they gain, they had like a, I don't know, 12, 15, whatever yard gain on it, right? And everybody in the house is reacting like a fan, right? What are you doing? Tackle the guy. And yeah. Tanner Vallejo was chasing this guy down. Yeah. Finally tackled the guy downfield. What's 20 to why? And they're losing their minds in the house. Yeah. And I flipped. Yeah. Like lost them. What the hell do you mean? What is he doing? Oh, the defensive end got down like the corner of the bucket. So I broke in like the whole thing. What happened? <laughs> yeah. And it was just third option. Like, Vallejo's come from all the way across the other side of the formation. Yeah. And it was like in the movies when you walk in and the music stops, screeches to a halt, everybody turns and like looks. Yeah. I looked around and that was my living room. I was like, everybody had stopped. Yeah. It looked like, what the hell? I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I had no idea because for all this time, you're hearing people talk about the game from the fan standpoint. And when you're immersed in it, so long, like, like if you watch a football game now, I've been trying to go, Oh, that's this front that's coming here. Like pressure's coming here. Like you pick up all those things, just become second nature. I had no idea I did that. Right. Yeah. And I went, Oh, I am so sorry. And then they started <laughs> laughing at me. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I walked to the kitchen. I'm like, I need, I need another beer. Yeah. yeah. And Tam goes, huh? Third quarter. I'd have thought that actually happened with the first half. So congratulations on making it that long. I, I actually think it's it's funny you bring that up because I think that's one of the reasons I got away from football sure. immediately after I was done. Because you go and you try to watch the games as a fan in the stands and the stuff you hear coming out of people's mouths, it's yeah, like... it's hard. Yeah, it's like, dude, you don't know yeah. what it's like to be down there right now. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I could not deal with... You know, some of my parents' friends and the stuff that they were saying. And then as a former player, too, everybody wants to ask you questions. And it's yeah. like, dude, I just want to sit back and enjoy it. Right. You know, and I, I kind of want to take it all in. Um, and it, another thing that, that really, really bugs me about the fandom is things that happened to Dan Goodale um, and then um, Brots. oh, Kyle Brotsman. Yep, yep. The, that kind of stuff... It, it blows my mind that people can, I mean, it's it's like being behind a screen. And like you said, talking face-to-face is a much better medium mm-hmm. than, you know, people on their Twitter accounts or whatever. And I, I had lunch with Bratz recently. Um, and I actually, I do a lot of business stuff with Dan Goodale because he oh, works yeah. Yeah. he works for a company, um, local company that prints t-shirts and mm-hmm. stuff. And they do our t-shirts for the gym. Oh, cool. And uh, 
I just cannot believe that people can treat a 20 year old kid like that and, right. and not feel bad about it and, <laughs> yes. and like give them death threats and stuff. And it's like, okay, who the hell are you sitting on your couch talking about this 20 year old kid who's actually out there putting his ass on the line. He's mm-hmm. practicing every day. He's trying to be the best thing he can be. Do you think he intentionally did that to hurt, <laughs> to hurt your feelings, dude? Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. That that's the kind of shit I got frustrated with. It's like the the fair weather fans and the you know, there's some fans in Boise that are if you're not winning every single game, they like demonize you and that's the kind of shit that I can't deal with. And I'd much yeah. rather be on the team working my ass off than being in the stands with these people who like to criticize every little thing. Sure. It's an adjustment, but there's two parts to that if you look on the flip side. One is you want that kind of um, enthusiasm for your program. You want those people to be invested like that. It's huge. And then if that's your standard now, yeah, you've busted your ass, as have the guys before you and all that, to elevate your program and your game, no matter what it is, to that level. Yeah, And that becomes the new minimum, right? That's the new expectations. That's a good thing. Yeah. I, I think if you're really dialed in, that can be something you feed off of and go. In. And that's why that's why you practice your speeches in front of the mirror. Yeah. Because you've you've risen to meet the standards and the expectations that have come. It wasn't something that, how many people have you seen that that's just, that's crushed them? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and they, yeah. they couldn't live up to it. And yes, it's frustrating. Absolutely. But it's not just in Boise, man. I can tell you that's going around and being where I've been. The absurdity of some of that. Sports is amazing in how it, it brings out so many emotions, so many things, so much stuff. And it's such a huge part of the fabric of our society. You know, this COVID thing is a prime example. I was talking with an infectious disease doc a couple of weeks ago. And she goes, the fact that we're trying to play sports in the middle of this is absurd. Yeah. Just simply absurd. <laughs> However, it goes to show you the importance and the level of the role it plays in everybody's lives in our, in our world. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're moving heaven and earth to try and, to try and play sports in, in general. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the PGA Tour to college football to Australian rules football, you name yeah. it, they're trying like hell to find a way to play it. Oh man, they're coming up with some creative solutions too. Is it the MLB and what they're doing in uh, Orlando? Uh, the NBA. Or the NBA, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And everyone has to wear a watch that tracks the temperature. It's and... this ring. Oh, is it that ring? It's okay. right. I saw that on Twitter and I'm like, okay, well, somebody in our program is going to want one. So I got one right yeah. off the bat. This is it. Yeah. The, and it's just temperature tracking and it checks rate. your heart rate. It checks your sleep. It checks how long I looked at today. Told me how long I was in REM sleep. Oh wow! Right? All of these things. I'm like, okay, some dude in Roswell, New Mexico, is like got me my, my profile <laughs> on a screen somewhere tracking. Yeah, me. yeah. He just knows I just went and took a leak in your bathroom. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, this is it. I've, this is uh, day three now. I've had okay. it. Looks like I got two wedding bands, one on each hand. Are but. you uh, are you using that as kind of like a testing thing? Totally. Possibly for the kids? I, I don't think you can get this. Like, yeah. It, it, for the cost of it, per person, all that stuff. But I mean, I tell you some cool information, how accurate it is. I don't know exactly. But yeah. I mean, there, there's so many different variables of this. And each one of them gets smaller, right? It used to be a, a thing, a GPS, you had to strap on your yeah. chest. And then it became a wristband. And now it's just a ring you wear. Yeah. And it gets wet. You only, you only take it off when you charge it. Like, it, it, it's pretty slick. It tells you some, some interesting stuff. How much of it's how accurate it is? I don't know yet. Yeah. Um, how um, how much it catches on? I don't know yet. So so what COVID symptoms is it going to track? I mean, obviously well, that, body temp, but that's how they how it's marketed is something that can predict if you're going to get COVID. There, there's a big study going on with it and all that. And I don't know. Like it'll be five years before they tell if, this, if it's or some fancy other new thing that comes or if this yeah. is a stick. 
Well, hey, man, they made some money from you, so. They did. Yeah, they got 314 bucks from me. <laughs> is, it a, is it like a, a subscription-based thing? No, or? once you get it, you're in. You just download an app on your phone, um, and then you uh, you go through all this stuff. Let me pull it up. In fact, there's there's the app. Yeah, Let's see the app. Yeah, so, I've heard. So I've it'll heard tell of, you what I've been up to. Okay. So I've heard of like the whoop strap. I know that's yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's awesome. It's fancy. I mean, it's slick. The app's cool and all that stuff. Um, but again, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so every every player in the NBA has to wear that. And then are they all, they're kind of locked in their own world? It sounds like it. Yeah. So, so a Boise State alum of the program is actually the head athletic trainer um, for the Utah Jazz. Oh, wow. He's great dude. Eric Waters is him. He's awesome. I just talked to him the other day about this. And I said, hey, because of you, I've got to have a fancy wedding band that I'm wearing around. And so he called me back and we, we were laughing about it. And I said, how's this going to be? And he goes, you know, we're getting out there for, for two months. I'm on lockdown at Disney world. And yeah. he goes, we don't know how it's going to go. We know how, how we want to start it, what it ends up looking like. We don't know. So does, does each team like have their own practice facility there? Or like, how is it going to work? I have no idea. I think they all got, you know, hotels. They can isolate everybody there. And they've got a few practice facilities set up and, main competition arena or two or yeah how this is ultimately going to look nobody knows you know oh my god and then guys are already uh showing up they're testing positive and they're like yeah i'm not good with going so yeah that, that's been a big deal too like everybody does everything right or guys think they're doing everything right and they come up positive what does that mean what do you do and, yeah and how that's changed over just the last couple months you know yeah it's <laughs> the i went in i remember this was probably a month ago we had this testing plan for coming back to campus, doing all these things. And so I was on a, we we're on a Zoom call. That's become the new thing. And uh, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do for testing. Uh, this is at 8 o'clock in the morning. Blah, blah, blah. I go through all this stuff. This is what it looks like. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for the update. Here we go. At 2.30 that same afternoon, I was typing up the final, editing the final pages on this giant manual that the crew put together. The, the crew, by the way, has been just amazing. The, yeah. the staff there. And I go to hit send, my phone rings, and it goes, hey, did you just see the press conference? I said, what press conference? The governor just come out with the plans and all that where we were. Yeah. And they talked about some testing. And I'm like, okay, well, <clears throat> everything I just talked about at 8 o'clock this morning, like 25% of it's now irrelevant. It's oh, gone. my God. And I'm like, you know what? I pushed send <laughs> yeah. and got it up and go. I said, okay, this is a living document now. It changes. So every week we've gone and changed stuff. It's, yeah. it's amazing how much, how quickly the world has moved. Yeah. To, to try and stay abreast of things. Yeah. That sounds like the hospital too. It's like every single day they're coming out with a new screening question before you can go yeah. to the hospital. Um, you know, they simplified it for a little bit once we got to phase three, but if, if they're, well, once we got to phase four and then they rolled back to phase three and now they're talking about rolling back to phase two and I don't know what it's going to mean yeah. um, for us working in the hospital, if they're even going to let non-clinical staff in the hospital anymore. Sure. So, yeah. Um, but hey, Mark, we're coming up on an hour and a half, okay? Um, which is crazy. It flew by. Boy, I'll say, man, I'm, I'm very, very happy you came on the podcast, and I would love to have you on again at some point, dude. I, I, anytime. This was this was my first time ever doing anything like this. Yeah, awesome. Well, I Thank appreciate you. it, and I I've been giving my guests um, the last word on the podcast. So if you want to give some words of wisdom or um, or whatever you want, the floor is yours. I came across a deal the other day. I was reading. And I actually wrote it down. I don't have a tape to my computer. And it's, uh, you know, this Cliff Notes version, shit's going to hit the fan. Right now, it, it's hitting hard. Yeah. Are you going to react 
or are you going to respond? And I never really thought about it until I heard that. So um, I've spent a lot of time responding, not reacting. Yeah. I think if we do that in life, anyway, it's going to be pretty good. And, uh, you know, this many years in, we're in all this. Uh, now you're, you have all these fancy sayings and wisdom or whatever you call it. But um, I think the last word for me, along with that, respond to things. And thank you. All right. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for being on. My pleasure. All right.